Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in back to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Of course, partner with Underdog Fantasy, new partner for the show. If you guys would like to take advantage of all the great content over at Underdog, talking about best ball drafts, talking about tons of great different tournaments you can play over there, use code TRIPLE right now, and they will match your 100% of your deposit up to $100. And I'm telling you guys what, Triple Play Fantasy is in there like swimwear. We're doing baseball or baseball fantasy drafts all the time over there our first mock draft or any basically all the drafts we're doing coming out every saturday on the youtube channel it's a blast it's a good time and make sure you guys are up on underdog fantasy and uh it's, it's a great time but just like our show tonight is going to be a great time we are joined by the crew marty party doc little cheesecake and a special guest that we'll get to in just a second marty first i would like to say how are you doing tonight and how is your mom doing tonight <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Susan Beauchamp is doing well. Well, I would assume she is, you know, at, at home, you know, resting for a, a nice evening. Um, but thank you for asking. I'll let her know that you that, that you said something. <laughs> the first time we've ever heard um, her name on the show. So, yeah, the BEAU champ, as I call her. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm I'm good as well. I had, did my first underdog um, fantasy draft. That was fun. That's a that's a interesting way to do it, and it's actually uh, more fun than I thought it'd be. We'll be doing it every single Wednesday, coming out every single Saturday. Uh, and yeah, it's a good way to get familiar with not just the player pool, but different draft format over there. And we'll be doing a lot of different entries to win some money this year. So it'll be a lot of fun. A little cheesecake in the house tonight. Also part of those underdog drafts. He was also making mm-hmm. fun of Marty's mother. And he was throwing a lot of <laughs> sexual endoendos in our video. What? Lots of, a lot going on here. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. That's I would never say saying. anything about Susan Beauchamp. Never, mm-hmm. never. Um, but I'll tell you, transition. This is a pretty good. The underdog draft did show you how how outfield is a is a is a pretty pretty shallow pool once you get down to it. If you got to draft outfielders in that, and it started to get pretty shallow pretty quick. It really did. And uh, Doc, you were also part of that. You're also, of course, part of the show every single week here. Tell us, how did you feel like the underdog draft went? It went pretty well. I'm just loving the adrenaline rush that I'm getting from all these gambling things that I'm doing recently. Just the definitely. more, the merrier. Yeah, it is definitely fun. It's addicting. Obviously, doing it responsibly, of course. I will tell you what, though. We have a guest tonight. He's responsible. He's handsome, and he knows his fantasy baseball. We welcome in a man who is Giovanni Gallegos's biggest fan. This man is a writer and podcaster over on Fangraphs. You've probably heard his podcast before, Sleeper on the Bus. He's also a Twitch partner. He's also a content designer for Out of the Park Baseball, which I believe is new since we last talked to him. He is also a dog dad. He also is the president of the Dub Club and goes hard in the draft room harder than you at your work party. It is the man, the myth, the legend. It is Paul Spore. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? Speaking of doing it responsibly, shouts to your mom, Marty. She's a wonderful woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if my mom listens to this, but God, I hope she doesn't listen, listen to this. One. I'll have some explaining to do. <laughs> oh, that, that's why we have Spore on here. He's, he's, he's the clever piece we need. It started here. off with me making fun of Art's mom, by the way, and not just a spiral. 
Yeah, like, that's like when Waba the Rooms is counter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Paul, man, you're doing, you do 20 bazillion things right now. Uh, but the one thing you have been doing since we last talked is, again, that you are now doing the content design over at Out of the Park Baseball. Tell us a little bit about that. So they have a game called Perfect Team, which is where you play. You build your team. You play other players. It's it's a simulator. Out of the Park Baseball is the best baseball simulator there is if you like building teams. And you do if you're listening to a fantasy podcast. But if you want to play a computer game that builds teams, you definitely got to play Out of the Park Baseball. They have an online mode called Perfect Team. You can collect cards throughout the eras. We're talking like 1880s type players all the way up until, you know, an Aaron Judge rookie card. Uh, put your team up against others. It simulates every 30 minutes. I'm going to be running the content this year. I'm going to be deciding which cards come out, which ratings they have. It's a very deep game, uh, but it's also so, so much fun. And I'm really, really excited for this opportunity because, uh, you know, I usually like will send them a little notes like, hey, this guy's ratings should have been this. This guy's ratings should have been this. Like, okay, dork, you want to do it? And uh, <laughs> turns out I'm going to be doing it. Now, what has been your favorite part about doing all the content with them? Is there been something that sticks out to you more than others? Honestly, just I, I, my right hand man is, is a guy named Nico over there who's already been on the team and kind of I'm nothing without him. I got me acclimated, but just bat, bat, uh, you know, batting around the ratings with him, having the discussions. That's been the most fun part and just geeking out. I've got this book here that has now become uh, it's a book I've had for a long time, but it's now become so important to me. It's the Nyer James Guide to Pitchers. And when you talk about anybody before, say, 2002, the internet era, knowing what pitches they have is pretty hard, right? Like, how do you yeah. know what some guy in 1946 has? Well, this has, like, everybody, and it has their pitches, and it's an invaluable tool for us to figure out what we want to do to have those cards as accurate as we possibly can. So I've been having a blast with it. The community is great. Again, if you if you like building teams, playing computer games, and you like simulators, you don't have to have, you don't have, to have stick skills like MLB The Show. It's a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, being able to have that type of data available to you to be able to use it like you guys are doing that, it sounds so unique and it sounds so it's fun. A of, it's a uh, lot of fun. I can see why your guys are so passionate about it because it's, it sends, I don't think anybody else is doing what you guys are doing. So, uh, no, it's, and you know, MLB The Show just recently got the Negro League. So OTP's had it for a few years. So learning about players is another thing that I love about the game. Um, just, you know, who's this guy? I start looking him up. I get in a wormhole. I'm on I'm on four different websites <laughs> learning about these players and finding out, you know, uh, some of their off-the-field stuff because they're crazy people and, and things like that. So just learning baseball history, which I'm a huge nerd for, is a kind of a side benefit of playing o OTP, whether it's the perfect team or the base game version. Now, are you having more fun doing that or your Twitch streams? Because your Twitch streams are pretty fun, too. Well, they're kind of one and the same. I stream a lot of out-of-the-park baseball. I have an expansion yeah. Expos team right now. We've been playing a lot of that. I did a 15-hour stream over the weekend, Whew. which was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I mean, they kind of go together, and uh, they will continue to, as will MLB The Show. They have their beta out right now uh, for MLB The Show. So it's going to be a ton of baseball on my Twitch stream all year. And then once the season starts... I'm going to be doing box score reviews in the morning as well. So if you're a baseball fan, twitch.tv slash spore, I got you covered. 15 straight hours. That's You hear that, and that's all you need to hear because this man's grinding so much baseball content, and he still found the time to come hang with us tonight. Not that's a problem. He, I will say, the people. I was playing the beta. You know, like I, knew, I knew we had the pod tonight. I'm like, okay, I got a couple hours to play. And then when you message me, I'm like, oh, my God, guys, it's 11. It's 8-11. I got five minutes. I got to go. <laughs> so I just like had to abruptly end the stream. I was like, I'll be back in an hour. Because I'd plan. I was like, I'll play two hours. I'll tell them. You know, I'll be back later. 
it snuck up on me. So I, I've been enjoying the MLB The Show beta already. It's open to everybody. So if you have a Switch, Xbox, or PlayStation, you can play it and try out the new game. I don't work for them, but I still I still really like MLB The Show. Hey, but you know what? Because you were doing all that, you're already in baseball mode. You're already ready to Big go. Time. Having Big all time. the guys ready there. Right. And, and I'll tell you what, we're going to need you, Paul, because we've got our Outfielder episode part two. So the, the top part, you know, it's a little bit. my guys on that picture. Sorry. Yeah, you like them? These that pick two good ones. I, I like I like both of them, but one of them is like one of my dudes. Oh, and I know. Oh, wait. If you say Stanton, no, Paul, no, no. I think it's new, I think it's new bar. Of course, it's new bar. Yeah, but it's gonna be fun because he's gonna be a debate later on here. Uh, but I'll tell you what. The first episode, we get into the top thirty. You know, I think easy to talk about the studs, but we get into the little juicier range here, right? We mm-hmm. talk about the guys that this is where you can start planning your drafts around getting these guys later on because you don't have to use pick them at the top of your draft so let's go ahead let's kick things off in the 31 to 40 range here and in the, for everybody the every episode we do the adp range uh, uh basically 10 guys in that range and then we move into the next range and so on so guys 31 through 40 in the outfield over the last two weeks paul who is the player that you love in this range Look, I know we're paying a bit of a premium for him because he hasn't really put out a full season, but I'm a big time Harrison Bader guy. This is this is going over a couple of years a now. Masturbator, yeah. And I, I am a masturbator and I got no problem with that because I really believe that this guy can put up a huge season. And one of my big fantasy tenants, and I'm not saying I'm the only person that does this, but I, I fully subscribe to it, is when all the skills are in place and all you really need is health. I'm going to bet on those guys. I love getting those guys. I think it's a lot better than going for the guy who needs his walk rate to improve and his power to go up a grade and his, his batting average to be a little bit better. Like you need these three things to kind of come together. If all I need is health, I'll take my chances. Even on a guy who's had some health uh, problems, right? I've, Bader's had some health issues. I fully grant that, but I think he's got the power and speed to be an absolute stud. I like him in that park. Yes. It's more favorable for lefties than righties and Bader's a righty in, in New York, but I like it there. He's at home mm-hmm. and he seems to really connect with being in back in New York. He obviously had the huge playoff and I really think he could be like a 2020 type of guy given that full season, you know, 145 plus games, but I'll take like a 15, 15 at this price. Um, even if he does happen to miss games again and play maybe more of like a 12125. So I think there's a good range uh, where the outcomes are still pretty good with Bader. I think the only way he busts is if he just totally misses a ton of games like he did last year, which was only 86 games. And even then five homers, 17 steals, mm-hmm. 250 average. So he didn't murder you, but you need more than that. I need more than 86 games, but I'm a Harrison Bader guy for sure. Right now, going around pick 175 over the last 43 drafts. And one of the things I think that's also really good is the fact that if you look at the Yankees just expected roster, he obviously right now roster resource has him batting sixth. Aaron Hicks is projected to start at left field, but you look at just their their reserve hitters, Hishioka, backup catcher. You have Isaiah Conifaleffa, infielder, GJ LeMay, who's an infielder. The only one right now they, they're expecting to potentially carry that could play the outfield is as, as Waldo Cabrera. It's not like well, the Yankees have like a lot of it. By the way, if I, if yeah. I can just throw that in, I really like Oswaldo Cabrera as a super utility. Sorry to interrupt you. No, but you're good. But the, the point being that they don't have a lot of depth at the exactly. outfield position. So he you know, right. he's going to have change. Even if he struggles a little bit, there are not a lot of guys that are going to be able you know, to come in and step in unless they'd be bringing guys up. But again, you look at people like Anthony Volpe, he's an infielder. So like he's mm-hmm. their, their top prospect there. Right. Uh, you know, and I just don't see, uh, you know, outside him majorly struggling or getting hurt, him not getting at bat. So. I think that's, I mean, the accumulation factor of him going outfielder 41, he can steal bases, like you said, definitely a solid pick here. 
And I made one tiny mistake there. I see it's 31 through 40. <clears throat> I only did draft champions. It looks like you guys are doing the full drafts. So I'm going to check my work on the other guys there um, because draft champions, since they're all the same type of draft, that's why I focused on that. I did have the date range right, but I had the the wrong amount of drafts there. So he's technically 41. He should have been in the other group, but I bumped him in there because he is 31 through 40 in draft champions for me. Well, you know what? I, I will take the L on that because I should have specified and said all drafts. No you're, you're being a very gracious guest. and No problem. But I, I will take the blame for that. Uh, but yes, no, I mean, he's right next to that range regardless. So uh, can I just pile on my Harrison Bader love? Yeah, because I know you had him as your love in this next range as well, Doc. So go ahead. Well, remember when the Yankees traded Jordan Montgomery for him? The Yankees were on a winning streak, and then yep. inexplicably they traded a position of weakness for Harrison Bader, who was injured at the time. Like to your mm -hmm. point about playing time, they have to make it seem like it's a smart move. But every year he's played 100 games, he's had at least 12 home runs, 17 stolen bases, was a career high last year in the 86 games, the sprint speeds in the 92nd percentile. I mean, Roster Resource has him hitting six. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he went up to fifth at some I point. Agree. And the lowest K rate of his career, 19.8, first time it's been under 20%. So, score, you and I are agreeing right away. Let's go. It's a good <laughs> deal. It's a good deal. Let's go to another player talk about in this range here. And let's go to you, Marty Party, as you are a big Hunter Renfro fan this year. Is it just because you can get the power here? Do you think there's more potentially there for a Red Sox lineup that needs hitting? Angels lineup. It's Angels lineup. Goodness gracious. Why did I? He played for the Red Sox last year, right? Two That's years ago. Two years, years ago. ago. Brewers, Brewers last year. year. He's getting a new team every year. Yeah, yeah, I'm losing track. He's he's traveling all over the place here for an Angels <laughs> lineup. Thank you, Spore. Uh, that does they need hitting as well, besides the two big studs at the top there. We already know how we feel about Brandon Drury, so we won't bring him up for this episode. But uh Marty, tell us a little bit Hunter Renfro, how you uh, feel about him. Yeah, so Hunter Renfro was in my MySpace top eight last year. He will probably uh, be in there again. ADP of 139, 36 outfielder off the board. He's going in the, around the ninth round. Um, ATC projections have him for 29 home runs, 70 runs, 78 RBI, and uh, batting 241. Right now he's batting fourth or fifth in the Angels lineup. Fifth if um, Anthony uh, or uh, if uh, Redon, if he's going to be okay, if he, who knows mm -hmm. how long he'll stay healthy. So he yeah. could easily move up into that fourth spot. But yeah, I love the ability to get 30 home runs. Um, he crosses the ball consistently. He's going to be in a prime spot for RBI with Trout and Otani hitting in front of him. And last year he hit 29 home runs, only playing 125 games. So I, it's possible, you know, he gets you that 35 home runs. Mm -hmm. And there's players going around him where you're kind of hoping that, except their batting average is worse which is going to be uh, my fade for this area, who I'll get into next, and uh, Stanton, your boy. But, um, yeah, I, I really like where he's at right now, Renfro. Once again, I think he's still underrated. Or Actually, you know what? Right now, I think he's rated properly with his ADP. Yeah, Ron, pick 139. So 36 outfielder off the board. I can't hate that too much there. Pretty solid value. LC, in this range, you are going the homer pick in Ian Happ, who was once known as a free swinger. Strikeout rate was awful, but he's really changed his game over mm -hmm. the last couple of years here and looks to be a solid fantasy asset. I think he's a solid fantasy asset. I think the biggest thing you could say for him is going to hit third or fourth in a Cubs lineup that is better than it was last year. Last year, they were running out Alfonso Rivas and mm -hmm. Frank Schwindel and Nick Madrigal and... And uh, Fran Mil Reyes was the, the the DH. I mean, last year they had the 22nd most runs in the league. This year, I mean, just the the the, the little bit of improvement to the lineup is going to raise all boats in there, and him hitting in that spot is going to give him runs plus RBIs. I also think that 
He's one of the few guys that's here that you can think maybe will get you double double in stolen bases and home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, his power last season. I, one thing that's interesting, uh, he doesn't barrel the ball a lot. He doesn't have a great barrel percentage, but he hits a lot of his home runs for barrels. That's something that might come down a little bit. His power might come down, but he's had 25 and 17 in the last few years. Still, for me, I still like the speed. I like the fact that he's going to definitely hit some home runs, but I also think the counting stats are definitely going to be there for half this year, getting a lot of playing time, hitting third or fourth in that Cubs lineup. Now, let me ask you guys, I know there was a lot to be made about when he he, uh, had the injury and how his numbers really changed a couple years ago. Uh, Last year, 17 homers, 72 RBIs, 9 steals, a 271 batting average. Paul, do you see a chance of any type of regression from him just looking kind of at his batted ball profile, uh, seeing that, uh, you know, that he, in terms of just like the chase rate that he had, uh, his chase contact was the highest of his career while he was also swinging at more pitches. Do you see the potential that maybe that could kind of come back down to what we saw uh, from a couple of years ago? Do you think this is the real Ian Happ? Because I'm I'm looking at just his chase contact percentage being 55.4%. Uh, 9% higher than the year before and almost 20% higher than 2020 mm-hmm. uh, with the chase rate being the highest it was uh, since 2019. Is there any type of regression we could see from him? There certainly could be, you know, kind of regressing maybe back. I think his chase rate could actually dip back down closer to his 28, 29% career rate up at 31% this past year for Ian Happ. But also where I think we could see some positive regression. I know it always feels weird to say that because <laughs> the word regression sounds so negative, but back toward his mean would be in the homer to fly ball rate, which was only at 12% mm-hmm. and he's a career 20%. In fact, he was 26, 27, 24% the last three years, throw out the 27 from 2020. Who get, cares about those numbers? But 26 in 2019, 24% in 2021, just 12% last year so maybe that's a place to get some of the power back now that would probably have to come with chasing less right he's probably making worse contact when Hap is chasing out of the zone but i do think there is some upside here he's shown now two healthy seasons in a row over 500 plate appearances super healthy last year 158 games i like this pick this was almost one of my picks uh for this zone here i decided to go with bader because i like him a little bit more but i really like ian Hap. i think he's a quality player i think a repeat works but there is upside for even more. So I'm, I'm in on this one. Yeah. Ian Happ definitely uh, really, again, made improvements in his game and and seems like a solid pick here. And our friend Giannardo says Ian Happ hitting behind Swatson may help him as well. Give him some more counting stats. Definitely agree with you there. Giannardo and doc, before we, I'll go to my pick here. I know Bader was the like in your next range, but Nick Castellanos was the like in this range you like, and is it the, the lineup getting better? Obviously, Of course, we're not seeing the Nick Castellanos from a few years ago when he was with Detroit, but you think there's still a lot of value where he's going. Yeah, this is probably the lowest you've gotten Castellanos in years. Obviously, the lineup does improve. Um, Harper being out, I think, solidifies him as an everyday role if he didn't already have that. Last year was the first year of a five-year, $100 million-plus contract he signed. And remember, the Phillies got really hot at the second half of the beginning or the second half of the season, but they fired Joe Girardi midseason. And when you look at that, he hit 251 versus 288 in the second half. I look at things like his hard hit and barrel percentage being career lows. Slugging percentage was lowest since his rookie season. When you think about it, he's played for teams like the Reds and the Tigers. They haven't always been contenders. And now that I think he's gotten a, a maybe a taste of World Series, what it's like to be so close to winning, that we see him a little bit more motivated coming into camp. And we're going to have regular spring training this year. That's something Brian Reynolds had mentioned is, 
there's finally some normality, which I think is going to be kind of a good thing for a lot of players. Yeah, and I, I think Castellanos had to have been playing through something last year. I know he, I, he did get hurt, had a spell on the IL as well. But, like, the power fall off there seems so bizarre to me. Now, mm-hmm. one thing I've kind of put me back on my back foot a little bit on that it was Jeff Zimmerman has talked about how uh, in past years he's seen guys like this and said, oh, I'm going to buy back in on the power coming back. But then once they're past 30, that doesn't always come back. So I don't want to overinvest. Uh, and if you're a multi-leaguer is what I'm talking about here. Obviously, if you're only in one league, that's you're either in or out. But as a multi-league player, I'm going to get some Castellanos. I'm probably not going to overdo it, but I like this price. I, I think he could come back and have a huge season. Maybe not get all the way back to 34 homers, but get us back in the mid-20s with quality run ribby numbers and a good batting average. Yeah. I, I think you guys all hit the nail on the head for Nick Castellanos. And he's one of those guys, you get him as second or third outfielder, you're probably fine with that. And he used to be someone to be your first outfielder, so really solid value. Uh, I'll keep mine quick. Because I want to let uh, Spore and let you guys have a lot more of the conversation here. Brandon Nimmo signed an eight-year contract, $162 million from the Mets. He's going to play as long as he's healthy. And last year, 151 games, by far his most healthy season. In fact, it was the only second season in his career that he's had 140 or more games played. And he had 16 homers, 64 RBIs, a 274, 367, 433 slash line. I think it all comes down here. Brandon Nimmo is going to be great here. He probably will outperform his draft value depending on formats if he stays healthy. I think that's the big question. If he stays healthy, he's a phenomenal pick here. And I'm seeing the right things he's doing. He came out and quoted, he's not going to play in the WBC. And he said, I started my training late. He said, if I started my training a month earlier, I would have been ready to go, but I know my body and I wouldn't have been ready to go play. So I'm going to take the next month to make sure my body is ready by opening day because I anticipate that we're going to be playing another month, month and a half of the season if we include the postseason that we expect to be in. So he seems like he's playing the long game here. He knows his body. He's got a big contract. The Mets have every reason to make sure that he's out there healthy. So I think Brandon Nimmo is a very good value here. And again, I think the injury risk is the reason why he's not higher. This would be a great example of the principle I talked about earlier where the skills were already there with Brandon Nimmo. It was just a matter of staying healthy. He spiked 151 games and everything really came together. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't play 151 again, but if you get a buck 45, buck 40, I think you're going to be very happy with the returns on Nimmo. Yeah, he's one of those guys here. He's a very safe pick uh, in terms of what he can do on the field. Maybe not with the injury history, but like you have Brandon Nimmo as your third or fourth outfielder. And again, you're feeling good about yourself here at the 168th pick of the draft. But let's go to the flip side of the coin in this range, the avoids for all of us here. Spore, who are you avoiding in the 31 to 40 range? You know, I I didn't think I was really out on this guy until um, I was looking over the projections. And and if you guys have been listening to the pod at all, you know, Justin and I are doing our projections by hand this year, really kind of digging in on players. And it's a, it's a long process. It's arduous, but I've really enjoyed it. It helps me learn more about the player pool. And it turns out, I'm not so keen on Anthony Santander mm. uh, with with where he's going right now. And it's not even necessarily an egregious price, but where I got him ranked compared to my colleagues, Jeff and uh, and Justin over there, it turns out, hey, I ended up being a bit more negative on him. I've got him outside just right at that 40-41 range. Mm-hmm. Then. So just a little bit off the mark of where he's going here. But I do have a little bit of concern. He's he's outfielder 33 here. And yes, I think the power's legit. And he was one of the few guys that said, oh, the park changed. I didn't even notice because he went and popped 33 homers, which was great. As a switch hitter, he wasn't as affected by it. But he still hit 240. 
He's still mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a mediocre to maybe even sometimes kind of bad hitter with power kind of that all or nothing power type. And I think I can get that profile mm-hmm. later. That batting average isn't great. Hunter Renfro was already showcased in this range. Mm-hmm. Why would I take Anthony Santander when Hunter Renfro's there, who's already shown that he can hit those kind of home run totals while hitting for a better batting average. And I don't really see a lot of Santander average upside. I know he had a 248 Babbitt last year, but he's a career 245 um, mm-hmm. uh, batting average guy. And so I just don't really mm-hmm. see it. This isn't a hate but it is a, a dislike in this range because I do have him six, seven ranks lower Anthony Santander for the Orioles. He was actually my pick here as well. So I'll just add to this too. He was rated, uh, according to fan graphs, he had a minus 11.6 position adjusted fielding. Uh, he's rated as one of the worst defensive outfielders in all of baseball. And so the Orioles are looking for every excuse to DH him. I think mm-hmm. they're hoping that they can DH him. And that comes down to if he's hitting, he's going to stay in the lineup. And if he's not hitting, he's not. And again, if you, the fact that he can't play defense out there consistently is going to eliminate him having the possibility of being able to play in the field. So if he yeah. starts struggling hitting home runs, we already talked about, or Paul did beautifully with the fact that a 240 batting average last year is about probably what you could expect from him. He also has three stolen bases since he debuted in 2017. So he's not even giving yeah. you any type of stolen bases. At best, he's going to be a three-category contributor, give you runs, home runs, and RBIs at best. Batting average and stolen bases aren't there. OBP was 318 last year if you're in an OBP league. So that's not great. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, Spora. This was my avoid in this range as well because if you want that profile, again, like you said, you can get Hunter Renfro. You could get guys that give you a bit of potential power upside. Maybe you want to take a shot on Cody Bellinger hitting 30 home runs in Chicago with a new swing or other guys later on. I just, this is a little too rich for uh, for the guy with his profile. So uh, I'm with you on avoiding Santander here. And the only thing I can combat with that is going to 15 to 20 O's games last year. He's the new fan favorite now that Trey Mancini's out. He he is a big fan favorite. That is definitely (laughs) true with Santander. There's a general 10% loss in stats, DHing, by the way. It's just like a known thing that guys are 10% worse. Doesn't mean that it's automatic, right? You can outdo it. But he started 34 games at DH last year, and he got way more than a 10% hit. He was dreadful. 952 when Santander played left field at OPS, 738 when he played right field, 642 as a DH. Mm-hmm. And he should probably DH 80, 90, 90-plus uh, percent of his games, to be honest, because of that poor defense. So there's a lot of things pulling against him. This is one of those guys that like was a great pickup last year because he was kind of forgotten. He popped, mm-hmm. and now that the price is raised, I'm pushing off. I'm with you. Giannardo says 82% barrel bat from with power to left and right field. Definitely has that's nice. The pop it, is there. Yeah, it is. But again, is that's the only thing you can pretty much bank on at this point because the batting Agreed. average and everything else isn't there. And uh, Jasper is on, on Ian Hap, so another Ian Hap fan club member there. Doc, you're got. I'm going to leave the floor to you because you love to talk about how much you hate Giancarlo Stanton. This is a yearly occurrence for you. So if you want to go ahead and explain the same spiel you do every year, you are welcome to. I, I can't believe people are still drafting him at this point. He's made of glass. These are the number of games he's missed the last four seasons. 52, 23, 37, and 144. That's a good chunk that you can guarantee he'll miss, and he only gets older. His K percentage was 30.3% which was the second highest since his rookie season. His 211 batting average was the lowest of his career. He has zero stolen base upside, doesn't have any steals in the last two years. So you're basically banking he hits 30 home runs. And that's yeah. it. I mean, the health factor is a big deal. And Marty, he's also your fate as well. 
uh, besides the the health risks, are there any other reasons you're fading him? I mean, even a career low expecting batting average too. You know, so his expecting batting average is down. Yeah, the his body a pure muscle and no dexterity, <laughs> aging more and more. Like it, there's just no way it's going to work out for him. He can still hit the ball harder than anybody. You know, and he's he'll probably still get you 20 home runs, but that's it. There's nothing else there. And I would not be surprised if he did not play every day cause, so the Yankees can preserve him because they still have to pay a lot of that contract. Well, they, they don't, who are they going to play it? I mean, Osvaldo he's Cabrera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the Spores guy, Osvaldo Cabrera. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think people know the risk. It's like put, you put your hand in the cookie jar and you know, like, that you could get a chance that your mom catches you or you're going to get your hand slapped. Or Marty Mom catches you. <laughs> right. she'll get you she'll get you, you. you Marty's mom doesn't you. like when you have your hand in the cookie jar <laughs> but uh yeah I, I think do you, you think people know still draft him that high because he's a Yankee too do you think there's anything to that or the like Yan- what, the Yankee tax the Yankee tax I've always felt is a thing you know and I will say one thing with Stanton shallower leagues where you can cover the the deficiencies sure because I mean just in 2021 he was great 35 homers 97 ribbies 273 yeah, but like these NFBC leagues that we're talking about, which is where this uh, ADP is generated, a lot of those are 15-team leagues. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to mess with Stanton there. As Doc mentioned, he is only getting older. He ain't Benjamin Buttoning. So, you know, he's going to be 33 this year. Mm-hmm. It is it is a tough sell. And even, even in the big season of 21, it was 139 games. He didn't even stay healthy for that year. So you're asking a lot of Stanton to really pay off there. Um, especially to overdo his price. At best, mm-hmm. I think you're looking to break even, and I think that's this is still a pick range where I want to I want to have some upside built in, and I think it's pretty minimal for Stanton. I love him as a player. I've always liked him dating back to when he was called Mike uh, and and yeah. as a Marlin. But this is one where I can divorce my heart from my head, and my my heart my heart still loves him. My head says don't draft John Carl Stanton. Maybe if he was a San Francisco Giant, because apparently cookies come in a sealed plastic bag, so you could like bubble wrap Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> Good point, uh, Leonardo. Yeah, so I don't get it. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know. I was just going with it. <laughs> but um, all right. So last one in this section, LC. Before we move to the next range here, your dislike here is Jeff McNeil, who also just yeah. got paid, and just empty batting average for you is, is that the big reason you're fading Jeff McNeil? Absolutely. Jeff McNeil, um, last season hit 326, but he's, you know, he had no power. He has no speed. He hits down the lineup. So his counting stats aren't that great. So he is empty batting average and there's variance on batting average. I don't think, you know, he's not a 326 hitter. Um, his expected batting average was 280 last year. And I think that'd be a good thing. If you get 280 from him, that's great. But you can also wait, get someone like Luis Arise, like, 30 picks later, get someone like Michael Brantley much later. There's a lot of late batting average targets you can get. And I think um, right now he's up this high because he hit 326 last year with the variance. He'd have, you know, he'd have to hit 326 again to kind of be worth this. Well, he, he would be, it would be a little bit better than where he's going now, but like he still has hit like 300 to be worth this price. Yeah. I mean, he's, was it who did he hit before this season? If I remember correctly, wasn't he like um, an under three hundred hitter the year before? He had a, a major bounce back season this year. Tough part with guys like Jeff McNeil and and Luis Arise and Stephen mm-hmm. Kwan. Yeah, they are batting average guys. Like that is their skill, but there is variance. Like LC said, 
and you can just get burnt by it through no mm -hmm. fault of their own. They can just have a bad Babbitt lock. I mean, you hit 251. Sure, 311, 318, 329, the, the seasons before that, the partial seasons, but it's so empty. I, I have no interest in Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil can stay off our draft boards in this range. Let's go to the next range, though, the 41 to 50 range here as we get a whole new batch of guys to look at. I know there will be a battle here. Uh, so what, let's get the battle started. And Lars Newpart, one of the cover boys of the show we talked about, he's one of Paul's guys this year. And to be fair, I, I know I've, if you go on Twitter and you search Lars Newpart, you'll see his name pop up everywhere. He's a big industry guy this year. Paul, talk the love for him because LC is going to rain on your parade in a second. That's fine. And we'll, we'll see if he's got anything to really combat it. But I mean, um, how do you ever counter Cardinals devil magic case closed? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, um, I, I just, I think there's a lot to like here with, with the plate skills and the power potential. That's a combination that I think is just a winning combo. And with it can come the runs and ribbies, especially if he elevates back to the top of the lineup. I don't know that he's going to necessarily start the season at one, but I think he could find his way back there. I mean, we're talking about a 15% walk rate last year, 14% in his 471 major league plate appearances without striking out much. And I think the strikeout rate could come down even. He's 21% for his career with a 9% swing strike rate. That's really, really good good and the power has been a 211 iso in those 471 plate appearances for new bar 19 homers i think there's 30 homer upside here if things really break for him you look at something like his ev95 which is 95th percentile exit velo and is one of the higher ones for outfielders i think he really tattoos the ball you're not gonna get any speed i'm not worried about that i see projections are like five or six that's not my that's not what i'm looking for here i think there's batting average upside um, I was really actually surprised that it was only 228 last year. You're talking about a 248 Babbitt. That goes back to our point about how uh, much variance there is with batting average. But if he had some variance on the positive end, I really think he could even chase down like a 280 average. Projecting him for more in the 260 range, mid-20s homers, tons of runs and ribbies, kind of depending on where he's in the lineup. I understand there's a lot of hype for Newt Bar, but I think the price is still fair here. So I'm, I'm paying OF44 pretty easily. I've got him a decent bit higher than that. I'll see. Floor is yours. So, I mean, as you go into research these players, you start to say, "Oh, I'm I'm anti this guy. I'm pro this guy." And it's and it's hard. You look at Newt Bar. You look at his Statcast page. He hits the ball hard. He has a high uh, hard hit rate, and he has a good max exit velocity. That power is there. My question, I mean, when you look at how his season went last year, he kind of had one good month, and was kind of or like a good month, month and a half, and was mm -hmm. kind of poor the other rest of the season. And we've been projecting off of that. And I wonder, and the projections kind of echo this, is are we seeing someone who's going to be getting 500 plus plate appearances? Are we seeing someone who's going to get 400 plate appearances? Because the Cardinals will have other players they want to get time. They got Jordan Walker they want to put in the outfield. They got Dylan Carlson, um, et cetera, uh, you know, they do like to 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 cycle their players in and out. So for me, my big concern with him is 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 he someone who's going to be giving me the plate appearances? Because mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, if he gets cold, they're going to cycle him out. And he got, you know, he wasn't he wasn't great all of last year. He was he was really good in August, and he was kind of poor otherwise. So well, like the new part was excellent in July too. And I will say, so yeah, your, your point is taken. 
but it's 171 of 347 plate appearances. It's essentially 50% of his sample in the majors was great. And then look at those BABIPs, the times that he was bad. And really, I mean, April and May, I mean, you're talking seven games total between those two, seven mm. starts total, 14 games total. I throw that out. I'm not really interested in that. June, uh, you're talking about 47 plate appearances, 167 BABIP. September, 99 plate appearances, 194 Babbitt. I really think he mm-hmm. was eaten up by Babbitt bad luck with Newt Barr struggling in those months. And I just, I don't think he's that low. He's probably not the 345 of July permanently. Mm-hmm. But if he has like a 285 or better Babbitt, I don't really see the struggles here. I just, I love quality plate skills with pop. And I think the playing time is going to be there. Jordan Walker has a good chance to break camp. That is the news mm-hmm. lately. So I'm, I'm drafting mm-hmm. him as such. There's room for all of them though. Uh, the odd man out right now, I think, is is Yepes. I, I think he's the one that yeah. needs to be looking over his shoulder. Uh, I think that's where the problem is going to come in with O'Neill, Newtbar, Carlson, Walker playing the three outfield and DH. I think it's mm-hmm. Yepes that is going to start to lose time there. So I, I, there, are, you can have some concern because it's not a long track record for Newtbar, but I think there's big reasons. Yeah, there's easy reasons for why he wasn't good in the little month, month plus that he wasn't last year. Yeah, and yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead, Elsie. Well, I mean, and and like this is also narrative building. Cardinals have had a lot of guys pop at the end of a season and come back the next year, draft higher and not like Carlson's one of them that that has been I still like Carlson. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're, he's still good. I, I he, they're still a good player in there, but it's like you know we've been disappointed by the Cardinals, and they'll just move on from them and find the next guy that's pretty good. So that's, I mean, that's the other thing is like, if he has a slow month, I, I don't think he's, he's going to be an everyday player that, that, and yeah. so like, I am concerned at that and I'd rather go with someone who I feel like is going to get those at bats for that. I'm sure of, but, but the upside is better with new bar with that power. I think if I'm not mistaken uh, with the sexy candy bar, as we call him on this show, I, I do believe <laughs> that wasn't he the, wasn't he untouchable when the Cardinals were having trade talks and teams were trying to get, yeah, for Soto, I was I was pretty sure he was the untouchable player. So that's just already you see what the Cardinals feel about him in terms of what they believe his potential could be. You already look at him. I know really? we talk about him as in terms of uh, you know we can't just look at videos in the off season and, and base that they're going to you know translate to production. But he was hitting the ball really hard. There was that shirtless video of him hitting the ball, and I think he was at the max EV he was getting off of the ball. <laughs> I mean, the hype train was starting to build. I think once that video came out. Uh, he's he seems like he's one of the popular breakouts this year and i'm on one of those people that i'm definitely in on that train i'm not going to sit here and say i'm the lars new bar guy but i'm definitely trying to draft him in a, a bunch of places I, I do think he'll get the this the playing time he's obviously we saw a stretch last year of him being able to do it and he's in a decent pretty decent lineup so he'll have a chance to produce um i, I don't see i'm a little bit more on sports side in terms of i i believe where he's going and what he could give you. I think it's a pretty fair value here, but what, again, what, what? that's art losing the argument. Yeah. Pretty what are you much. talking about? The season will tell the season. We don't need to play the season. Just <laughs> how, about, <laughs> how about this? We're going to simulate do, it. And OOTV. we're going to do our, yeah, we're exactly. going to do our first, our first bet of the show. Uh, our friendly bet here. So right now, Lars Newbar is going as the 44th outfielder at pick 184. Spore, how high would you go to take Newbar? What would be like the absolute, like what range in terms of? Um, let me pull up, let me pull up the ADP here and see where I'd be comfortable because I'd probably take him. 
I mean, I take them where Santander is, you know, at, at, at the 31st outfielder there. Now I like Casty, I like Bryant, I like Renfro, but I, I take them in that range. I take, I, I take new bar as high as the early thirties outfielder, which is around pick 130, 140, uh, to secure him, you know, especially if I knew somebody in that draft was also a big new bar guy, I'm going to jump out and get him and not be afraid. I really like that. He's going 190. If he can stay there. Great. But I would mm-hmm. set a min on him, which right now over the last two weeks there, I think is only like 170. So I, 147. I'd have to, 147. Okay, I, I was on uh, draft champions again. So 147. I would set a. I would set him in. I would set him in and go above that 147 for New Park. And Elsie, how far would he have to drop for you to take him? Well, I've taken him in a few drafts this year, and you, part of me, oh, you're a fraud, is what you're fraud. saying. Well, well part of it fraud. was part of it was like I started doing my research. I'm mean, like, wow, I've been way in on Newt Bar. And now I'm a little bit hesitant. So that's part of the reason why I'm backing off because I have him a lot already. But he he was going later, 200, 205. Yeah, Art doesn't want to get hurt. That's what it is. He's just afraid (laughs) to get hurt. So Art, so you have him then, you probably would rank him as outside the top 200 guy, correct? Yeah. And then, all right, so Spore, you get him inside the top 200. Easy. And then, Art, you get him outside the top 200. And we'll see who wins. This is going to be a good bet. This is a... The, the Lars Newbar bet. and I like this one. Yeah, so Gino says uh depends on Jordan Walker. Sounds like he'll break camp, but I don't like Spore said. Sounds like that's probably not going to impact Newbar's playing time here. Uh, Marty, let's go to you. Let's talk about your player that you like in this range, and that's going to be a homer pick in Riley Green. You think the bounce back's coming? Yeah. Well, I, I can't even say it's a bounce, bounce back. back. Give the guy oh, an opportunity. for both you guys. Give him, yeah. Yeah. Spore's going to show me some love with this too. But no, I mean, Riley Green, he can't even say it's a bounce back. I mean, that was, he's a rookie. He's a exactly. rookie who broke his foot. He fractured his foot before the season started. And he, before that, he hit a home run off Garrett Cole in spring training. So um, he even talked about how fracturing his foot really, you know, slowed him down and threw him off. He had to quickly rehab and get back. Uh, he has amazing prospect pedigree. We know that he's going to be the future for the Tigers for better or worse. He's hitting third in the lineup. Bad X projects him for uh, 244 batting average, 13 home runs, 65 runs, 55 RBI, and seven steals. I could easily see get the steals to 10. I could see 10, 12 steals. I could see him getting 15, 16, 17 home runs. I watched him uh, crush a ball to like 420 plus feet in Comerica Park. So I know the power is there. He's going to get all of the opportunity possible. And where he's going, I mean, he's going around Lars Newbar. I think most of you guys would probably pick him. But then Whit Merrifield's in that range, Alex mm-hmm. Verdugo. I, you know, I, I like the upside of uh, of uh, Green, where, where he's currently at. And yeah, maybe, the, I'm not going to say it's a homer thing, but like I'm going to let this guy who has an amazing pedigree, who had a, you know a half of a bad season or whatever it is, you know, define himself and give him an opportunity. And he's going to have all the plate appearances possible. What do do the people that question the Tigers in terms of their development of young players and looking at basically all their young players in the last like 10 years and how much they've failed? How much confidence do you have? I mean, even Spencer Torkelson well, looks like he's <laughs> I mean, well, here's the thing. Torkelson had one year. Yeah, but they completely redid their hitting coach. Uh, yeah. Stable. They're all, they have three completely different hitting coaches. They have a brand new front office. This is a this is a new time for the Detroit Tigers. What, what well, is, and, what's Gino saying here? And who have they really, who's really failed? That was like good. Right. I that mean, wasn't you know, supposed to. Uh, well, I, mean, I mean, the big three pitchers 
Casey Mize. Yeah, but that's is, pitching. That's pitching. That's okay, totally well, different. Let, let's look at their hitting. Uh, uh, Torkelson well, and is And you're going to see we have, or the Tigers have invested so much in pitching that like there are no hitters to even really talk about. Exactly. And that's just kind of the way the drafts broke is that those early picks, you'd rather build through hitting, right? And we're seeing the downside of draft yeah. building your system and your rebuild off of pitching. Yeah, It's not dead yet. You know, obviously last year was underwhelming. No one's going to pretend that it was good at all. They dropped 11 wins off of 2021. They're supposed to add wins or at least kind of stay in that upper 70s, low 80s. It was bad, but a lot of health issues with the a pitching lot of health issues. is what happens with pitching and Torque didn't pop, but I'm not out on Torque yet either. It's one year. He was 22 years old. I think Riley Green playing 93 games as a 21-year-old, he was league average still. He was 99 OPS plus. Like he held his own. They tailored the park uh, for left-handed uh, improvements there. I think that's definitely with an eye toward him, not just him, but five of the starters are lefties. My boy, Akil Badu, I'm back in on him. So, you know, I, I like Green as well, and it's a range where I like a lot of guys, so I'm probably not going to be overloaded on Green. But as a Tigers fan, you know, I will let my heart drive drive me to getting at least one share of him. There's an article on The Athletic that says the Tigers drafted Curtis Granderson in 2002, and it's possible they have not produced a better homegrown player since. Nick Casty, I, I, I believe that. Relax. Yeah, Casty would, would probably be the other one. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been great. But there's a new regime, and I don't think there's been premium picks that have really failed because so many of their top picks have been pitchers. Now, you've got to find guys in that 5th to 15th round range and develop them. That's how you become a winning team. But the, I think I think this new Scott Harris regime is going to have to prove that, and they've got time with Torque and Green. I'm just being a salty Twins fan because I like to give you guys a hard time, even though we don't have much to, to hang on either. Um, but hopefully, I mean, if there's anybody that I would be on for Tigers hitting, it would be definitely Riley Green. He did show some promise last year. I just probably I don't think I'll have any of him this year personally. But well, when I drafted him, you immediately texted me like I knew you were going to draft him. I'm like, well, yeah, because I knew he's your my guy. First share of him all year. <laughs> yeah, how many drafts have you done though? Like three or four? Yeah, and he's yeah. So it's early. Him. He's not overdrafting. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Tigers fans know better. <laughs> all right. Uh, is there anybody else? Uh, let's see. I think Doc. Let's go to you for this range. You were talking about. We already talked about. Uh, we did, like Harrison Bader. Bader. we did Harrison Bader. We talked about the master Bader. And LC, you were talking about Alex Verdugo. That was the guy you liked in this range. Yeah. In our underdog, in our underdog draft, you were talking about making sure we got him instead of Lars Newfar. Uh, so yeah. You so that, that's you're taking your stand there. So go ahead and talk about Alex Verdugo. Well, I think Alex Verdugo has a solid lineup spot and uh, produces a lot of runs plus RBIs. I actually think that there might be a little bit more power upside. I'm not saying he's a 20 home run guy, but the last two years he's had 64 barrels and only produced 24 home runs. So there's, you know, if, if generally between 50 and 60% of your barrels are for home runs, uh, is, is, is what I've heard. So there's 15, 16 home runs in that bat. And Mm -hmm. the difference for, for Verdugo between, 11 home runs and 16 home runs is huge in his value overall. But I think even if he doesn't go up in home runs, even if he just does to get that 12 or 13 and he's going to be producing 140, 150 runs plus RBIs plus a 280 batting average, both of which are very valuable. That's three category contribution at around pick 200. 
and it's and it's good contribution. You're building a good base in those statistics where you can kind of go after you know longer shots at power mm-hmm. and uh, and speed later. So I like it for like a, a build type of, of of pick. You think it's a very safe pick because you know. I think it's very it. safe. I think it's very safe. Yeah. So it com- comes down to how you want to build your roster. I can respect that. I'd probably um, rather just take Yoshida though, because he's kind of diet for Dugo. And now in this ADP that we're looking at, they're actually right by each other. But mm-hmm. for example, you know, when I, when in the draft where I took Yoshida, he was two ninety nine to Verdugo's two oh seven, and it's very rare that Ver- Yoshida is going to go before Verdugo. So I think mm-hmm. I'm just waiting there. I've liked Verdugo in the past. I will say one thing I disagree on a little bit is is the build piece. I, I find him tough to slot in with the build because he doesn't have that power so i'm mm-hmm. chasing the power after that but maybe if i've got some guys maybe not stanton specifically we already talked about him but somebody like that that is more of a power uh but a batting average deficiency he can verdugo can be a nice combo there i do have to keep my protect myself from winding up with too many guys like this this is something that justin mm-hmm. ran into in our main event he took mm-hmm. benintendi and verdugo like they can be appealing guys it's a great plate skill you know, they do a bit of everything in this case for Verdugo. He doesn't really run, but all the other categories, he does stuff. But if you wind up with too many of those guys, you will fall short in power. So I would say if you're going to take him, just make yeah. sure that you've got that power covered uh, because you can wind up with a deficiency if you take a couple of these guys like that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm going to be talking about Benintendi later. Don't take both of them. Definitely nope. don't take both of them. Yeah, um, yeah Justin, but, but- you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that. Marty, when you put the time code in, the 49-minute mark, Justin's the, Justin, the idiot. Uh, all right, so la- the guy that I love the most, and he's going to be, you know, we talk about our MySpace Top 8 episode, which will be our, you know, our My Guys episode at the very end here. And Oscar Gonzalez is a My Guy. He's in my MySpace Top 8, one of my best friends. I, I go, and I see Paul's face, and I know what he's going to say. I know exactly what he's going to say, but you guys got to hear me out with this, I will. okay? I'll listen. I'll listen. So I know we could talk about that he doesn't walk. Three point, you know, 3% walk rate-ish is definitely not great. 37th percentile in whiff percentage, first percentile in chase rate, all that stuff is not good. 296, 327, 461 slash line in his rookie season. I think he's the Walmart version of your favorite outfielder because he doesn't get talked about but he's like that that less appealing version. 11 homers and 43 REIs, a 788 OPS in 91 games and just barely over half a season. You look at his swinging, the way that he's uh the way he swings at, at pitches outside the zone and you must think he strikes out a crazy amount, but he struck out an under 20% of at-bats at the major league level and 14% of at-bats in 41 games at AAA last season. And you may be like, "Okay, maybe that's that's just one season." Well, keep in mind that he's never actually even had a strikeout rate above 24.9% since he was in high A ball in 2019. Consistently under 20%, except for just a little bit of uh, about 77 games between 2021 and 2022. Uh, This is a guy that I really don't think is going to strike out more than maybe 20, 21% of the time. Definitely not going to walk. This is a guy that could approach, in best case scenario, somewhere near a 200 ISO, I believe. 20 home runs, 20 plus home run power, going to give you 70 plus RBIs. He's going to be um, in the main part of the Cleveland Guardians lineup and a Cleveland Guardians lineup. I think that's very underrated. And I think, again, you're getting him. People always just look over him and just skip him. And I think he's a tremendous value going here. I think he actually could slide down continuously. And he, 
I think people are sleeping on the potential power that he could have. He hits the ball so incredibly hard. If you look at on his StatCast page, the Max EV and XBA, uh, both in the 91 plus percentile, uh, I think he's one of those guys that maybe StatCast doesn't love him, but you know, we talk about Vlad Guerrero, talk about how much he swings outside the zone and he can make contact. This guy, I think, just knows how to make contact, even if he's free swinging. I'm all in on Oscar Gonzalez. I think he's going to strike out a lot more than that. I'm so nervous about this guy. I mean, he only struck out 20% last year, like you said, but a 14% swing strike rate is very scary. You know, he was able to survive it in AAA last Mm -hmm. year, but didn't in the extended sample of 2021 when he struck out 25%. And it just puts such an onus on his BABIP and that power. And he only had a 166 ISO last year. I just think there's major volatility here. The price is not so egregious that you can't get in on Oscar Gonzalez, but this is a guy that I think his fans are going to overload on him. And there's major bust potential here. I'm very afraid of Oscar Gonzalez. Spore, real quick, you're on the clock and you have an open utility spot. Who are you taking, Oscar Gonzalez or Ty France? Uh, Ty France. I mean, Oscar Gonzalez had his own contact of 82% last year. That's so nice. He, I mean, he was he making a lot of contact. 48% chase rate. Yeah, but again, still struck out under 20% of at-bats. And it's rookie season, too. Like, yeah, so the league didn't have the book on him yet. They're going to expose this kid. I, I think I think he gets exposed this year. I'm, oh, I'm my nervous. God. All right, we have to have I'm a nervous. second. <laughs> Put it on the board. board. He's getting exposed. I'm I'm so all for Oscar Gonzalez. You have no idea. So again, are we going to look at range here, like where you're comfortable drafting him? Because he's right now going at 186, outfielder 45. If you look at the ADP, where would you feel comfortable taking him? Mm. Uh, his max is 221. I wouldn't even really want to do that. I wow. Mean, okay, wait. The whole yeah. two- 221 is right around outfielder 53-54. I mean, I'm going to take my boy Will Myers there, 237, who I think is wow. – those two against each other. I mean, okay, I got to we'll, spike health, but I'll, I'll take the shot that Will, Will Myers – versus yeah. Oscar Gonzalez. Yeah. All right. You know what? That's fair. Yeah, That's, Brian, we're, that's Brian, pretty got, good bet. Brian, that's we got another good. bet going. Yeah, that's right. That Oscar one. Gonzalez <laughs> versus Hunter – or I would say Hunter <laughs> right from Versus Will yeah, Myers. Versus Will Myers. All right, that sounds good to me. And and like I yeah, Gino points out, arm strength ninety nine percent. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's got. I, I don't. I don't doubt that he'll play. Um, you know, they traded. They traded Will Benson. They cleared up some of that outfield. But I just. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was this past year. I think Oscar Gonzalez just has a lot of risk that's a little bit being overlooked by his proponents um, because of some of the good things that he did this past year. And I just. I see that swing and miss. The league's going to expose him. All right. Well. Oscar Gonzalez and Will Myers will keep an eye on that. Let's move. I don't want to keep Spore here all night. Let's go to the fade range here. We'll go a little quicker with the fade in this range. And Paul, who is your fade in the 41 to 50 range? All right. Well, it was Oscar Gonzalez, so I kind of already said that. So I'll give the other one. Um, It's Joey Manessis. Look, it's a little bit lazy to go with the um, Frank Schwindel of this year, but I mean, it it really smells of that. It's not even that I think he's going to be terrible either. Like, I think he can have some solid power. He's not hitting 324 again or anywhere close to, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I think he's more of like a 250 guy, 20-something homers. And the biggest problem here is something that's a little bit out of his control. It's the runs and ribbies. I think they're going to be a nightmare on that team. And and thus, I just really think that he's not going to pay off at that level there. 
it might feel like this is this is that in that range, especially if you're playing 15 teamers where you're like, oh, this is cheap because mm-hmm. the, the pick type starts with a two, I think, with him or at least mm-hmm. a late one. these are still players that are supposed to be high impact players for you. Like you can't afford Joey Manessis to necessarily totally bust there. He's a pick 188 in this range that we're looking at with a min of 31. Let's check out that guy's brain to make sure he doesn't have CTE. Whoever took him at 31. (laughs) Holy hell. Uh, But yeah, it's funny. I have him and Oscar Gonzalez right by each other in my outfield rankings. Oh, 72 and 73 respectively. Paul, can we get at least get a look over those rankings? That's, that's upsetting to me. Just just the fact that you're making me upset. Can we we change that? They're going to be out. They're going to, they're going to all be out. But yeah, I got him for 255, 23 homers, 60 runs, 65 ribbies for Manessis. That those are low run ribbies totals. Twenty three homers is fine. Two fifty five is fine. But nah, I, I'm fading him easily. There's no way I want this breakout right now. And it, honestly, this one I'll be rooting against myself because he's a fun story. So if he yeah. pops off, that's cool. I'll take the mm-hmm. L. No chance I'm betting on it though. No chance. Doc and I are both actually had this as our fades as well. You don't see too many thirty year old breakouts. Mm-hmm. You talked about uh, you know uh, uh, what was it? Um, Schwindel. Thank you, Frank Schwindel, Rafael Ortega, kind of. Yeah. I was trying. I was trying to remember the last one that that maintained, and I think Whit Merrifield was the last one who maintained for a and he, while. And he plays a yeah. totally different game. Yeah, yeah. He maintained a late career breakout. I, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he obviously down the stretch did. I have all the numbers down the stretch that he did. Second in the National League with seventy two hits, three twenty four batting average, and nine thirty OPS since he made his debut August second. Um, uh, he just a, a lot of great numbers, but that's to me is just equivalent of a hot stretch. And, yeah, and, and and so did Swindell. And like I said, it is kind of lazy to just say that. I get that. Some people roll their eyes at that. But again, everything was there for Swindell to be like, dude, yeah, he's 29, but he was so good down the stretch. This is why we say these are small samples. And when we talk in small samples, sub 100 games is still a small sample. Even 100 games is still a small sample. 56 is a tiny sample. It's relatively insignificant uh, in terms of fully judging him. Do not pet bet on the 324 do not bet on that power at that clip just be careful with joey manessis mm-hmm. doc anything you would like to add because i know he's your fade you know what when i said the name joey manessis out loud i thought of yermin mercedes another like flash. <laughs> the, the, the names kind of sound similar a yeah. flash in the a flash in the pan who had his kind of resurgence or his his late career breakout later 20s i mean Spore mentioned even if he does hit uh with power with the 13 homers last year, he only had 34 RBIs, and he had a 6.3 walk percentage. So you can't bang on that average again. You guys basically touched on any, on everything else. One stolen base also. Yeah, and then the last fade in this range, we were talking about Marty with Whit Merrifield. Uh, I know we talked about late breakouts. He was pretty much the only successful one, as we said before, but looks like he's kind of running out of gas here. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, what we expect from Merrifield, because you know we're not going to get the power, right? So we expect mm-hmm. a solid batting average at 20 more stolen bases and a good amount of runs because he usually hits at the top of the the Royals lineup. You're not going to get any of those. Mm-hmm. Last year, he had a career low 240 XBA. And once he got traded to the Blue Jays, he only had one stolen base. Yeah, he one, hit well, but they, they didn't run yeah, him. And they're they not running him. One stolen base in 44 games. And mm-hmm. so he's going to be hitting at the back end of the lineup, probably eighth or ninth. I mean, he might still be able to get you, you know, a good batting average, but there's just no reason to go with that pick. And he's what, 34 now? Like, yeah, it's time to, it's time to move on. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I fully agree there. 
the name value, I think, is the only reason he's even going where he's going at this point. Well, I think a lot of people look at his season stats and like 16 home run or 16 stolen bases. That's not bad, but not realizing that like the Mm. context that all of them came for the Royals. Yeah, and and I don't think Toronto changes that for him really. I mean, Mm. they let a few guys run like Bijia or like um, excuse me, Bichette, Springer. I don't think that they want to let uh, somebody like Whitmerfield run. He's no Adelise. Adelise sucks too. <laughs> Brian, he's coming. Hey, Ball's coming for you, man. Hard fade, Adelise. You could not pay me to draft Adelise. Wow. Yeah. We should have had no you shot. on for the first episode. That no shot. A- Pure trash at outfield 16. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, man. I know where you stand on him. Uh, but all right. Let's last section here, the 51 to 60. Let's close this out, Paul. Give us your favorite 51 to 60 outfielder. All right. Well, you could probably guess that Will Myers w- would be the guy. I'll, yeah. I'll go quick on him and go elsewhere because I, I haven't stopped talking about him all offseason. Look, I'm I'm a huge fan of that park. If you have an ounce of talent and you're in Cincinnati, Coors Jr., um, I'm interested. So, again, this goes back to that uh, that adage I, I said earlier. All I need is health. And with Will Myers, that is a big question. He is not always healthy. In fact, he rarely is. But give me 130 games and I think he can go Brandon Drury on that ass. So I'm interested <laughs> in Will Myers. But I'll give a different guy there to to kind of change it up a little bit and go Gavin Lux. I'm still bought in on this guy. Look, uh, we're still talking about somebody who's going to be age 25 and Mm -hmm. just eclipse the 1,000 plate appearances. So he just kind of went over that big threshold there where you really start to make some judgments. He had his best year. It was only a 105 OPS plus with six homers, seven steals. Nothing to write home about in 471 plate appearances. But I still think there's a ton of upside. I'm a pedigree guy. I believe in prospects, especially when they haven't really had their full chance yet. He still hasn't had a full season, which is 500-plus plate appearances to me. He's going into his first full season. The playing time is going to be there. I think Gavin Lux is going to break out. Uh, That lineup is a lot weaker than it's been in previous years. It's still good, though, uh, with the Dodgers. So I think Gavin Lux, infield, outfield eligibility, I think he's going to have a really nice season for the Dodgers this year. It wasn't just the pick of his giant arms. No, I liked him before that. That that. That uh, that doesn't even really move the needle for me, but it probably does for some folks. So hopefully it yeah. doesn't raise the price too much. But yeah, I, again, second and outfield too. I like infield outfield eligibility. It's really fun. Uh, Vinny brings a question here. Alex Kirilov, I can tell you as a Twins fan, the wrist problems are just yep. horrendous. And it's I think he's already having wrist problems already uh, early before they even start the season, even though he just had that surgery. So I'm- It's all that too, by the way. If he was healthy, I'd, yeah. I'd be here talking him up but Alex Kirilov with the wrist until we get some sort of idea that there's any health there it's a full yeah. fade for me even at, at outfield 83 100 with you there uh LC let's go back to you here and let's talk about your favorite in this range and for this pick you're going you're talking about Benintendi you said it's yeah like. yeah yeah I like Benintendi well actually you Definitely. know what before before you do your like I just realized that your fate is Gavin Lux. So you're going head to head with Spore in back to back rounds. I don't know how you handled the beatdown from the last round. So I guess you're coming back for more. Go ahead. I never admit defeat. That's how I handle <laughs> it. That's how it goes. All right. I don't lose because the game is not over. I will drive to Austin and, and knock on his door to continue this conversation. Uh, come, come come out. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk it over. <laughs> we'll chop it up. um gavin lux i mean i really like actually if he gets shortstop that 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 sort of shortstop outfield eligibility that's pretty rare Uh, so if he's going to be the everyday shortstop that sort of eligibility dual eligibility is pretty rare there's a lot of second basemen who have multiple position eligibility if he's the everyday shortstop that does change the calculus it gives him a lot a lot 
more versatility because shortstop is kind of a, it's not very deep position as you get into like the twenties and thirties. So he, he gets a little bit more value. I just, I don't see like the power's not there. The speed's not there. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be getting the, the plate appearances again. I'm big on getting runs plus RBI. Who are they going to play? Who are they going to play? They, they don't have that depth anymore. They got Trace Thompson penciled in their starting lineup right now. And, yeah. and David Peralton and James Outman. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm That's not true. worried about Miguel Rojas. He's there to back up in case they need mm-hmm. to move. And they can move Lux to the outfield and play Miggy Rowe if they want to. I mean, yeah. I, short of a flop, I think there's no way Gavin Lux doesn't clear 500 plate appearances this year. Because if not, then like, why do you yeah. still have him? Like, give it no, up I, with him at that point. He's he's definitely playing. That's the one thing I have zero issue with is playing time for Lux. Do you think he's going mean, to – I agree with you. I think he's going to hit like sixth or seventh in the lineup, which is not in – in the Dodgers who are going to score a lot, that's not terrible. But, yeah, I mean, I, I had him coming out pretty far below his pick. He's 53rd. I had him as like the 68th. So that's mm-hmm. why I picked him just because I don't think he's going to add up in statistics. I had him at over 500 plate appearances too. So, um, so it, I, I think he's, if he gets to 600, he's definitely going to be really good. But if he's at like five, five, ten, I, I, I think it's, it's a wash on, on him being a good pick and he doesn't give extra stuff. Okay. Uh, Elsie he has really good. Hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah. He yeah. has the pop. I think he's got the pop and the speed to be a real dynamic player. All right. Well, Elsie, uh, we're going to find out if I guess if Gavin Lux can prove you wrong or if he proves you right here. Mike Carter's in on Lux. See that? Is he? Yeah. That'd be Mike. I'm he's screwed. listening in and he loves and Lux. So <laughs> it, you're, again, it sounds like everybody's against you tonight, Elsie. It's okay. Stand your ground. Sorry. Uh, I mean, that's why he, look who he, I pick. I, I, like, I, like <laughs> I like Andrew Benintendi and Alex Verdugo, and I don't like the young guys. Obviously, I have a type. You know, this is, this is, this yeah, is clear at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you, you like who you like. Is there anything you want to add on Benintendi real quick? Cause we can just move on. I know we got a couple more guys. Just Benintendi does have, I mean, he, he is the type of guy he likes to run. He might be the type of guy who does get a little bit of a bump with the new rules and gets up to like the mid teens. And cause he, he does like to run. He's getting steals and the, mm-hmm. the power just went away last year. I, you know, hopefully there's a little bit of bunch bounce back. It's a good place for power in Chicago. He's going to be hitting second in that lineup. So I think that's a pretty good – I think he's a good bet to return the value and, and give you more than where you're getting him. All right, the White Marty, Sox going to let him run? Sorry, one, one last yeah. thing, though. Are the White Sox really going to let him run because he's been pretty inefficient? He got back up to 8 for mm-hmm. 11 last year after that 8 for 17 that I think was part injury uh, problem there. The power can come back in that park. The Benintendi is someone I really liked last year. I thought he had some real mm-hmm. breakout upside. He failed. And so I'm a little bit nervous about him this year. He consistently gets hurt. It's a good park, but I don't know if they're going to let him run. I know they have a new manager, so we don't know. But they're bottom five in steals the last two years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they're uh, – I still think steals are um, – they're definitely a manager thing, but they can be a front office thing too. And so I, I don't know. I, I think Benintendi's cheap enough to take the shot, but I, I don't know that he's going to be great. I think he's going to be kind of diet for Duco. Yeah. That's fair enough. I, I – I think you like you said earlier, Spore. You take one of the two of them. It's hard to take both sure. of them. So I, I think that's that's a good lesson for many of our listeners. This episode, uh, you're probably going to be lacking a lot of areas if you take both of those guys here. So try to make sure that you know how your draft's going and you can pick up in the categories that you're going to need and not and not sack too many of these guys in there. Um, Marty, your last guy you talked about. I know Paul touched on him for a second, 
And he's probably had some of the best helium. Uh, it slowed down a little bit, but Will Myers was somebody that was very popular. Yeah. And I've still is pretty about, popular. Yeah. I've been talking about Myers for months now. I don't have to say anymore. And first base <laughs> outfield eligibility. He's hitting in what uh, you know, second best hitters park yeah. in the game, for batting fourth or fifth in that in that lineup. It's he can get you twenty home runs, five stolen bases with a decent batting average. I'm taking that every time. He just needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, he can do a lot more than that too, to be honest. Like yeah, I, he could. It's I think he could do like thirty twelve. If he can stay healthy, in a dream season. I'm just assuming he's as, not going to stay healthy and still get you twenty homers. Yeah, with, you know, five seven yeah. steals. He could do almost as much as Oscar Gonzalez. He'll do a lot more than Oscar Gonzalez <laughs> if we get. <laughs> he's the phenom. Five hundred plus plate appearances, which he's he's only done. I mean, he did it in twenty twenty one. Myers did, but then previous to that was twenty seventeen. So that is the big gamble here. That's definitely how I lose this bet. But on scale, I do not. We should. Plus, we he doesn't have, wear batting gloves. You have. We to could put do that a minimum games. We could do a minimum games played. I'm down for that. Like we a 120, 120 yeah, minimum. That, that's totally fine. That's that's that gives me a little protection there. I'm definitely down for that. But I think the straight up one too. Just, you know that is my risk. But yeah. Um, yeah, either way works for me. I'm in love. Will Myers. A little bit more nervous about Ogans. All right, Ogans. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Will Myers definitely a, a popular. Breakout candidate, or not just say breakout, popular just draft candidate this year. Expected to do a big year with the Cincinnati Reds. Doc, your last pick of the players we like in this range being, uh, I believe, who was it? It was Ramon Laureano. So I have to hope that he doesn't get suspended this year for PEDs. <laughs> I, I got to get yeah. that out of the way because if he's a cheater, then this is a moot point. And I'm hoping he might get traded, but. Look, he hasn't been healthy or not suspended, but when he has, he has 2020 mm-hmm. upside. And when we look in 2022, played 94 games to 13 and 11, mm-hmm. uh, 88 games in 2021, he went 14 and 12, and then 123 games in 2019, he went 24 and 13. Last year, Babbitt was 262, well below the 311 career average. And when he's played his most games in a season, 123 and 88, that's when he's actually had the lowest K percentage of his career. So he mm-hmm. might be a guy that actually gets better as he sees more pitches. I just hope he stays healthy. I hope he goes to a good team. You guys remember when he led the majors in stolen bases the first uh, month, I think of 2021, he had like six yeah. in April. That's mm-hmm. the upside I think that we can have. We can see with him. He's still in his Ooh. late 20s. Um, he dealt with like shin splints that year. So it was up and, and it was like something that would – go up and down in terms of how much it affected him. So he'd steal when it was feeling good and then not when it was. And so he's kind of all over the map, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the Loriano pick again, you're looking to spike the health. I think the talent's mm-hmm. there. It's a matter of if you can get that health and you can get a 2020 season out of it. You really can't yeah. even in that park. And the A's are rebuilding. Like they, they wouldn't be doing justice to keep him on the team. He's 28 years old. I think he needs a fresh start. Could be. Yeah, I mean, sure. If he's producing, they'll move him. He's like um, the only person they haven't traded who's decent. Well, yeah, I was gonna say this is he's on the um he's on his last year of the contract with him. He's an unrestricted. Oh, he's, he's good. No, he's gone. No, no, no. He he's good. Uh, he's arm eligible. It's a one year deal, but oh. it, it, he's arm eligible through twenty five. So they've still got some time to figure nah, it out. Nah, you're so right. I think they want him to rehab his value from Oriano, so then they can trade him at more of a height. So if he gets out yeah. to a fast start, don't be surprised if he goes to a better team, and that would really improve things. Because otherwise, you could be looking at a 2020-2020 season, which is homers, steals, runs, and ribbies, because that's <laughs> blows offensively. I'm going to make a bold claim right now that he's going to be a New York Yankee by the trade deadline. That could be, be a Dodger. They, I, like I think the, they, I like the Dodger call, too. 
Yeah, I think one of those That's, two teams need an outfielder, and they'll they'll acquire him. So we'll see what yeah, happens. If, if, if he goes off, if Loriano goes off, I think he gets traded within this year. They're, they're waiting until the value spikes back up, though. Yeah, agreed. Uh, my player for this range to close out the favorite part, Brian De La Cruz. He had a 1.137 OPS in September, third best in baseball, only behind Aaron Judge and Julio Rodriguez. He also led all of baseball with a 44% sweet spot rate. Number two was Freddie Freeman, just talking about hitting uh, nice line drives. Obviously, if it's not necessarily a home run. Um, and if you look at his stat cast page, 96th percentile in expected batting average, 94th percentile expected slug, 86th percentile hard hit rate. Uh, those are just some really juicy numbers. And if you want great numbers, also from September, a 388, 419, 718 slash with six home runs, 10 doubles, and 22 RBIs. I think he's going to be one of the better hitters for the Marlins this year. And uh, I think you're getting him at a tremendous value here in this range. He's somebody that you can round out your outfielder, get as like again, fourth, fifth outfielder. And you're sitting pretty. Uh, Ryan De La Cruz is going to be one of the better hitters on a team that needs hitting this year. All right. Last round. This is going to be our, our quick lightning round of the players we're fading here. I will kick this off because mine is very simple. I'm taking the free square. Randall Grutchik. Six. Uh, he just got the injury. So yeah. that's obviously going to knock him down. But even just more than that, I, I'm sure you guys know that uh, not a great season last year. 19 home runs, a 259 batting average. He had a 205 batting average and six home runs on the road last season. <laughs> really didn't do nothing outside of Coors Field. I don't think he's anybody's targeting. 19 home runs. Like like what he did last year was his good season. You know, 19 home runs playing in Coors Field. I think we expect. Yeah, he's that. not good. He was wasn't really good on the Blue Jays when they needed anybody, and they still weren't playing him in that hitter's park. So well, he hasn't been good. He wasn't even good on the Cardinals. I've been hating Grichik for years. All right, so we all hate Grichik. That's where we're getting out of this. We all hate Grichik. He sucks. All right. This is where I'm glad we're all coming together on our hatred of Randall Grichik. Spore, you can go ahead and give us your fate for this next session. All right. So when I did it wrong and I did just draft champions, Estuary Ruiz uh, counted for that. But so he's 62 when I do the right one. So I'll just say him very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a steals only guy. Going to be empty as hell. No runs, no runs. He's in Oakland. D- don't fall for these guys. They're bad, bad hitters. Uh, I think people are, I think they're a trap, but the other guy I'll take is also, I think a little bit of a free square. We haven't seen him play for like 42 years. I don't know what the hell to expect out of Michael Conforto. I'm sure uh-huh. I'm not going to pay for it in San Francisco yeah. used to be a G, but he's got like, a, you know, his shoulder is held together by shredded wheat. I'm out <laughs> fully out. And Marty, you are too. And yeah, I mean, we don't, he hasn't even played in a year and then he's coming back to the giants. Um, Two years, right? Like wasn't his last, mm-hmm. last time he played like, was the 2020? Yeah. Right? yeah. Which, that's not even a real thing. You know, like was, 2020, like it doesn't even matter. So 2019 is the last time we saw him and he was badass then. But again, he's been through like 412 shoulder injuries since then. It's like the Giants went shopping for all the good outfielders and it's like they're like TVs and like all the new TVs get taken. By the time you get to the store, there's only the damaged TV left on the shelf. They're, they're like, late to get the Black TV. Friday sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, all, all the crap was left. Or, yeah. or they were looking at a 2019 book. They're like, these guys are awesome. Let me get this guy. <laughs> Mitch Hanniger and... And, and uh, yeah, and I, I like I, I like Hanniger a bit more, but he also has those health issues where he's just kind of consistently getting he- hurt. Uh, but he can be good, so yeah. But with Conforto, I just even that even though the price doesn't seem crazy, I just can't do it. And Eric, his, his uh, teammate Jock Peterson as well, you're out on him, out on young Jock Peterson. I can't think of a guy that's more streaky than him. The 274 batting average last year was a career high for him before it was 249. That was helped by the 310 Babbitt, which was 268 for his career. 
Now you look, he hits the ball really hard. Average EV, 98th. Percentile max EV, 87th. Hard hit, 98. Barrel, 95. But when you're striking out as much as he does, um, he's only hit 30 home runs once in his career. He had 36 in the bouncy ball era, but still only topped out at 74 RBIs. I just don't like the premium that you're paying for him. I think he's somebody that is a good streamer in shallower leagues in a home league, and you mm-hmm. ride him when he isn't platooning. But I just can't take him where he's at in that 51-60 range. All right, fair enough. I think that's pretty much going to be all of the guys we're going to talk about for this episode. I want Paul to get back to the str- to uh, his Twitch streamers over know, there. All those people are just sitting there waiting I, for I, you. I know. I, I, as you told him an hour, we kept you longer than that. <laughs> it's time. totally fine. No problem. <laughs> uh, but Paul, man, thanks so much for coming on the show, talking some outfielders with us. This, this is over a year since we last had you on, so I felt like uh, it was long overdue to get you back on here. Appreciate your time, and please plug all the great work you're doing right now because the people need to know. Thank you. Gentlemen, it's always great talking with you. I love the pod. I enjoyed the one with Justin as well. Um, you guys embarrassed him, which is not hard to do, but you gotta, you gotta cut him up, put him, put him back down to size. You can follow me on fan graphs. I'm the, uh, you know, rotographs, the lead editor over there, writer and podcaster, sleeper in the bust, Twitch partner over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash spore content designer at OTP baseball. We're going to have the OTP 24 coming out in March. Can't say exactly what date yet but uh it's gonna be coming out soon and uh, again if you like baseball check out my twitch stream because like i said i'll be i'll be doing baseball all year all times of day too morning noon and night man does as much in the baseball space as anybody out there so again make sure you check out his twitter page his twitch uh his twitch page uh everything he's doing at fangraphs again paul does so much great stuff a great ambassador of the community so you guys need to make sure i'm sure you guys everybody that's listening already knows who paul spore is so uh, I don't even need me to tell you guys that, but again, one of the best out there, Paul, you are the man. Thank you thank again. You and of course, thank you guys for following triple play fantasy. If you guys please give the video a like on YouTube, leave a comment below, talk about how awesome Paul's mustache is or his lighting. <laughs> Anything you want to leave there is awesome in the comments. If you're on the podcast Marty's version. Or right, yeah, you could wonderful woman. Leave a comment about how wonderful Marty's mom is. It's all good. And, and happen uh, to the league three of the uh, triple players ball if you get a chance. Oh, that's right. That's yes. right. Yeah, we're filling up league three for triple players ball. Make sure you guys do that. And uh, yeah, that's it for the night. So if uh, thank you guys for Doc, for Paul, for a little cheesecake for Marty Party. I'm Demendi. We're gonna make like a bread truck, and we're gonna haul these buns. Catch you guys next week.